Things will ship with or without a product manager. How do you know when the product's ready? The question you really have to ask yourself is, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? And if your feature actually solves that problem, doing any extra iteration beyond that point is almost not necessary. It's also critical when you're thinking about your launch to think about how you're going to measure all of this stuff. Now that I've announced something, now that we've gotten all these new leads into the website, what do I do, right? The key to the launch isn't just for media coverage, it's really about driving adoption of your product. Hi, I'm Craig Kirsteins. And I'm Remus Silkaitis. And you're listening to Practical Product, a bi-weekly series where we discuss product management and some of the unique challenges we face in dealing with defining the right product and all of the coordination necessary to help teams build it right. Practical Product is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you have a specific topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalprod. Cool, hi. Thanks for joining us. I'm uh, Craig Kirsteins. I'm over at Citus Data. Previously was at Heroku running product for uh, a number of areas there. So managed product for uh, Heroku Data for a number of years. Heroku ecosystem, and previously on some of the core platform. Hello, my name is Remus. I am a PM at Heroku right now. I am currently overseeing Heroku data. My career, the thread throughout it has been data, doing anything from analysis to engineering to even product management. And so since this is the first one, I want to give a little bit of context of what we're thinking to, to cover a little bit. Product management, I think, is a, a hot topic lately. Um, I've had a number of people, I think almost one to two a week, come and ask me, you know, how do I get into it? What is it? What do you do? And really want to get down to some of the practical sides of of product management in this podcast. So there's a lot of books that are really high level out there of you know the the broad themes of product management. We want to get a little more into kind of the practical bits of it and hopefully give some tips and some useful information for anyone looking to get into it, anyone doing it, or anyone that may be doing it and not realizing it of how you can kind of get a a better uh, practice going. So uh, today we're actually going to kick it off a little bit with something I've been active with the past couple weeks and likely for the next couple weeks, uh, launches. So things will ship no matter what, with or without a product manager. But a product manager really can give a bigger emphasis to something when you do decide to ship it. So of course, the main vehicle for that is through a launch. And a launch can encompass many different things, from any, anything from the smallest thing to maybe just like a blog post to full-out analyst briefings, Full media, you name it. So there's really a wide spectrum here, and we're going to kind of narrow this down into something that's um, approachable, at least for this first episode. Yeah, and I think so. That's a really good point, Remus. Starting at the blog post piece, like I think that's where most you know startups uh, start, right? Um, I look at all the heavy bit companies, and they really start off just building a thing, writing content, launching each feature when they're ready. So they they build it and they just ship it, and kind of a blog post is the event of the launch. If it's a successful one. It goes up on Hacker News and does really well. But there's a lot more pieces to that. When you start to timeline these, there's there's a lot more coordination that goes on. So I mean, I think that's an interesting place to start right there is how far out do you decide to launch? I, I mean, it can be as far out as you want. I mean, for me personally, I like to think about the launch when I'm thinking about building any new product right off the bat, only because that launch will not necessarily dictate what we build, but we think about how that is being presented to the customer in any in any given realm. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think from a, a product marketer and single, you're thinking about the next launch as soon as you finish the previous one. But when do you decide that date? So, I mean, for me right now, I actually just nailed down a date for a launch that's about three weeks out. And now I've got you know this t- back working timeline now. Uh, how far out is that? And, and kind of where do you begin communicating that to engineers? 
that's a big piece, right? Because you set the date, you start to work on all these things that you mentioned, analyst briefings, media briefings, the blog post, docs. Like there's a lot that comes into launching a new product or a new feature. How far back out do you kind of roll that date? That depends, for me at least. It really depends on the type of product you're building and, your, and the, the comfort you have with your engineering team because the, the worst thing that you want to have happen is that you set a date and then all of a sudden, two weeks before that date, you realize that half the features that you wanted or what would make a complete product can't actually make it in there and you're now all of a sudden doing the last thing that you have possible, which is cutting scope. And Well, I guess not the last thing. The real last thing you could do is push that date out and that's actually worse than cutting scope. So that's a really interesting piece that you hit on right there, right? So you've committed to a launch, you've got a date, engineering slipping, what do you do there? Personally, it really depends on the product, and it really depends on the size of the launch, to be honest, because if I've gone and done a humongous setup, you know, briefings, talking to media, doing all this other stuff, then it actually becomes really difficult to pull back on that and say, oh, we're not, we're not, we are not going to be able to make this date. And that, are, that already communicates something to these analysts that you cannot... Actually, deliver when you say you're going to deliver. So, cutting scope in my mind actually is the the first thing that I do. And if if that's not possible, depending on how big the launch is, you know, will dictate if I can push that back. If it's just a blog post that we're going to do ourselves, like for sure, I'll push that back, and it's no big deal. Yeah, I think from some personal experience there, there's there's a couple of free passes you get, especially with respect to the engineers, right? Mm-hmm. You can kind of have a marketing-driven launch, and so what I mean there, a marketing-driven launch is when you announce something, but you can't actually use it. Um, this is a thing that you'll see more and more big companies do, right? I launch a product that you then have to go and contact us, and then you get on a waiting list, and eventually you maybe get access, and maybe the product never ships. Oh, don't forget, you'll always get a demo, right? You'll get some sales guy that'll come in and say, "Oh, here, let me give you a demo first. And that that demo may or may not really exist, but but customers will buy the demo, so don't worry, it it works. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can do a marketing driven launch, and it's not the end of the world. I, I kind of hate it from a engineer perspective, right? The I, I want it to work. I want to be able to download it and use it, and that's important. But it's not the end of the world if you have that, and you you can run with that. I think the interesting piece there is how many times can you do that? And once you start to do that so many times, you suddenly change the the community and kind of the culture of your organization, so that you're not actually really shipping things. You're just kind of promising things that you hope you deliver on. Yeah, definitely. And, and and speaking to credibility with engineering, that's that's first and foremost in my mind because yes, a great launch is very important, but you know, you're not the one building the product day in and day out and dealing with operational issues like pager burden or whatnot. So, making sure that your engineering team is happy and on board with what you're doing is especially critical. So, you know, for any date that I pick for a launch, I always try and make sure there's enough buffer there for the engineering team to feel like Okay, we've we're we're set with what we've got, and we've got a couple of weeks to just kind of let it sit around before we actually say, from a marketing perspective, okay, this is a thing. Yeah, and I think a couple of things you hit on there. Like, I think product management's an interesting topic, in that you know it's a bit of a not loved work among engineers in the valley. Not as bad as project management, but still, <laughs> um, it's not overly loved, right? And a good thing that you can do is a really coordinated, successful launch gives you that respect, right? So that things. We're in place. You weren't scrambling. The product was ready. Docs were ready. It was super smooth. And then, really, what you're focused on in those two weeks before the launch is all of that announcement piece, all that marketing piece, all the sales enablement piece, all that coordination. So, from experience, if I got a major launch myself two weeks out before, I'm almost not talking to the engineers at all. I'm talking to everyone else in the org 
really kind of championing everything they've done up to that point. Definitely. The time in the launch to be finishing up features is again maybe two, four weeks out from when you're actually going to be doing these things. And I would actually even say that you should be preparing marketing, depending on the size of your organization. If you are marketing yourself, then you know, just talk to yourself, I guess. <laughs> but you know, really you should be talking to these other ancillary groups, you know, as soon as possible to get them prepped because they have their own timelines, they have their own schedules. And if you're not prepping them for what's coming, they're not going to know about it, and there is that risk where you're not going to have your product be highlighted amongst all the other things your organization is doing. Me personally, I try and do it as soon as possible. I think that I agree generally with that. I think that depends a little bit depending on which part of the org you're talking about. Uh, marketing, you definitely want to be telling you know far out. Uh, sales, I almost don't want to tell until the day before launch day, just because you want to be ready that you know people have the the information at the right time. So I think you know sales is an important one where. Usually, I'm giving them that information the day before mm-hmm. and the day of, and then I give it to them for three months after. So I'm kind of to sales launching the thing that I launched three months ago over and over and over again internally within the org. Well, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have all your sales materials ready. It just means that you know get it all ready ahead of time and then go give it all to sales that day of the launch or maybe a few days before, right? Yeah. So um, on that day of the launch piece, right? There's there's a number of pieces that you're busy doing. So the days before you've been busy with media, weeks before busy with analysts. There's one thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier about war rooms. Um, and I know you've got some interesting opinions there. I've got a few. First, what is a war room? Conceptually, to me, a war room is one of these situations where the day of launch, you get everybody together in one room, call it war room, and you all push out everything that needs to get pushed out at that time, whether it be product, marketing, both. And you just kind of see what happens after that point. And I think in the most extreme cases, you also have anyone that could ever need to do something, right? Like That's a, a full extreme. Usually it's a person that needs to make a decision or flip a switch, right? Well, that could include sales, that could include marketing, that could include your execs. Frankly, it could include almost anybody. But frankly, for me, I don't really believe in war rooms all that much. Maybe they might be useful in some circumstances. I mean, I'll, I'll throw that in there and we can discuss that. But frankly, I think if you've done all the work ahead of time, when it comes to day of launch, it should almost be inconsequential for many teams within the organization. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Though I think uh, I was talking with an engineer earlier today, and the idea of a war room was to them was actually to kind of celebrate, right? Mm-hmm. It was to sit there, track, monitor, see what's going on, and like, yes, the actual act of flipping switches should be trivial, but it's a good way to build rapport with these other areas you don't see very often, right? I talk to marketing occasionally, but I'm not in their weekly meeting. Like, it's yep. it's at lunch, it's at coffee, that kind of thing. So when we've got this big launch and they've contributed to it, how much can I sit there and you know track active changes with them, help them kind of feel like it was a major success that they contributed to, and really do that across all of the areas? Hmm, interesting. I, I find that uh, I like to keep my celebration after work, and then we'll all go to the bar and enjoy a few beers instead. I don't know if it's a big enough launch. Uh, you can definitely have some mimosas, you know, to to start off the day. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about here is, you know, we talk about launches, and we always assume that launches are, you know, the full GA of a product. And one of the things that I've seen in the past, or at least I've done in the past as well, is launch actually is a public beta. And one of the challenges I find with public betas is that you've actually spent your marketing dollars, not necessarily dollars in the context of like hard-earned cash, but in the psyche of people out there, customers, etc., that. Hey, I have got this thing. It is coming out, and now it's in a beta. So that when you come to GA, it actually isn't as exciting as it would be for public beta. What's your take on public betas? Yeah, I mean, I think we've got a really good example there of you know Gmail, right? Mm-hmm. How long was Gmail in public beta? Was it was it a full ten years? I think 
I think so. It was a massive amount of time, and I don't even remember when they pulled off the GA announcement. Like maybe there was a post on Hacker News, but I don't recall it. And I think that's really interesting. Where in the tech world, we've gotten a little hesitant to flip that GA switch, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, let's let's go to public beta, let's do the launch like it's a GA, but not have that stamp of approval. So I think you know we've across the board gotten into this habit of of using the public beta, and it creates a really hard issue for customers to know how reliable is something, right? Well, so on that on that note, I actually like going another route, which is if you've already got customers, or maybe if you're not ready to launch yet, and you find a group of early adopters that will are willing to try out your product, you work with them in doing what I call the the private beta, so that they feel like they've got the attention from the engineering team, the product manager, everybody else, so that they can contribute to this product as well. And then you get to GA, launch the whole thing, and then tell the rest of the world, yes, we're we're ready to to take on new customers. Yeah, I think you hit on something uh, small but very important there, and that if you've got that person you can work with, that customer, that launch customer, right? Mm-hmm. You've basically got a product that's been running, and I think you'll you'll see that in a lot of public betas. They'll announce, uh, you know, this customer's been using it already, and really, what you've got there truly is a GA already. So as much as you can do that and have that reference customer, that customer at launch has actually been using the product that you're launching and not the fun demo, then you're in a really good spot to go directly to GA and have more of that validation. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Engineers are really interesting, right? Thinking about developer-focused products and companies, developers follow things and love to feel like they have the inside track. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a one of the things that I've used very commonly to help vet that thing. Sometimes you don't always have a list of friendly customers that you can reach out to for that private beta, right? Sometimes you do actually have to take a leap of faith and and get it out there. And leaking things is one really interesting way to do that. You can seed that with friendlies. You can put it out there yourself, kind of anonymously. But it's a interesting way to test things a little bit more. Have you ever leaked anything and it's gone poorly? Like everyone wanted to sign up, or the product just blew up in your face? Not offhand. Now that you say that, I'm going to be a little more hesitant on leaking a few things, probably. <laughs> so um, jumping a little bit back uh, to you know when the product's ready, right? We talked a little yeah. bit about coordinating a launch from a macro standpoint of like you know the theme you're going for. How do you know when the product's ready? Like, if you want to have the product completely done and in place before you even start to coordinate the launch, which you know takes a little bit of time, how do you get to that point to say, okay, now we're ready to launch this? I know you know engineers tend to say, let's iterate on this, let's iterate on this, let's improve it. We can always make it rock solid. But when do you actually ship it? How do you decide that? Again, always with the caveat, it depends. I mean, it really depends on the the product that you're launching, the scope of it, etc. I mean, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. One of the first questions that I like to ask myself, and I've learned this through you know working with individuals like Craig or other people at Heroku like PVH, the question you really have to ask yourself is, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? And if you can answer that, um, and your feature actually solves that problem. Doing any extra iteration beyond that point is almost not necessary. So, if you've defined your hypothesis, you've proved it out, you have done the work to say yes, this thing is going to solve this problem, then by all means, go and launch. That really depends on the type of solution that you've come up with, and it can be grand in scope, or you've come up with a whole new product line, or it could be something as simple as changing all the plan types that you have that you're selling as a SaaS product. So. Again, it always depends on how big this is and how how that dictates when to actually launch. Yeah, and I think there's a, a common theme of like when someone's willing to pay for it, right? That's yep. when something's ready to go. But I actually picked up something else from one of the Heroku founders, Adam. He was basically like, 
give it to some users, whether it's you know feature flagged or private beta or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, let them use it, and then email them and tell them you're taking it away from them. And if they're not cursing at you, you're so dumb. Why are you taking this away? This is the most valuable thing you've ever done. Then it's actually not the right thing to ship, which is a pretty strong kind of attitude. But it really keeps that high quality bar and says, "Hey, someone actually really does use this." Because I think if you ask the other question a little more softly, the inverse of that, and say, "Is this useful to you?" If they're friendly customers, they're going to say, "Yeah, sure." Um, when in reality, the data may not say, "Oh, they are actively using this." Definitely. So timeline, you talked about when is it right to launch. Talk to me about what happens post-launch because I've had a lot of people ask me, okay, great, I've done my war room, let's say, and what happens the next week, two, three afterwards, and what happens next? It feels like I've spent all this time doing this and now I don't know what to do next. Yeah, so I mean, ideally you're you know tracking that launch, getting ready for the next one already, starting to prep that. Um, but I think you mean more on the you know how do I go and measure my re- recent launch? How do I actually track that? Now that I've announced something, now that we've gotten all these new leads into the website, what do I do? Right? I think the number one thing you're going to be doing is just like high touch with customers. Right? You need to make sure that what you launched is working, that they're happy, that they're engaged. You but doesn't that depend on the type of product you're selling? I mean, I would imagine a high touch product would be something to enterprise customers where I'm doing more B2B type sales. What about B2C type products? On the B2C, I think you're going to be doing a lot of measuring your data, right? So you're going to take that same kind of input, or a different kind of input, but have the same kind of action, right? So you're going to be adapting the product, you're going to be fixing things, you're going to be modifying features slightly. No kind of major new plans, but you're going to be adapting things. I think on the B2C side, you're going to be a lot more on the data side. You may do some outreach to customers, you may do some interviews, but those are pretty high bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the number one piece is data, right? Yep. And even on launch day, I'm sitting there looking at the data. How many people are signing up? How many people are using this feature? I'm running queries live, I'm refreshing dashboards, and I think that is one of my favorite things to do in a war room, is to have a bunch of these different dashboards up while people are flipping switches. I'm seeing that impact in real time. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up data, and for two data guys here, I mean, it, it's natural for us to talk about it in anything that we do, but it's also critical when you're thinking about your launch to think about how you're going to measure all of this stuff, because if you go and build something and then launch it, how are you going to know it's successful if you don't have anything to measure that against? So it is critical that if you do not have the support infrastructure, and I'm not talking in huge projects that you need to put in flight to test or to, to gather metrics for anything. It could be simple as putting a uh, Google Analytics tracker into your website to see how people react to a particular maybe plan change or something. But it's very important that you are actually collecting these metrics because I've seen situations in the past where we've built things and only one or two days before launch we're like, oh crap, we really need to put something in here to measure this because we'll have no way to know what's going to happen. And that being said, it's critical to keep this data around or think about it in, in a much more longer term context because you'll need to compare launches against themselves. Yeah, and I think that you mentioned that you need to do that ahead of time is really important because otherwise, if you're scrambling at the day of launch or day after, you're going to already start to be skewed by, well, what data do we have? And now can I track this and, and influence this versus a fresher perspective and saying, what is success really? Like, how do I look at that from a fresh set of eyes without coming in of like, oh, well, I want to make it seem like a success afterwards, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I could make any product look successful, right? If I had no data, right? I mean, I could come in and say, just tell all the engineers I had a ton of meetings, awesome. But, you know, it really comes down to if your product is not directly tied to revenue, right? I mean, 
revenue is really the key in, in all of this stuff, right? So when it, with any launch, if your product is tied to that, you want to see how that plays out. But the next best corollary is to have that data there that shows you, okay, this is how we perform, this is what the uptake is. So let's go back to the beginning of setting up the launch, right? We've talked about a lot of stuff in post-launch, we've talked about stuff during, we've talked about a little bit just before it. Like what happens at that time when you know you have a launch and you're just kind of iterating with engineering, let's say, you've got maybe three or four months before your launch, what are you doing? Yeah, three to four months. That's a good little while. So I think you know at that time we're we're already in some early validation with customers, right? We've got a alpha stage thing, a proof of concept, kind of vetting vetting that out. And this is really you know one of the key pieces of product management, right? Making sure you're building the right thing, and engineers making sure it's built right. So on the product side, it's what's the problem we're solving for the customer, making sure the right features are in place. And I actually think that three to four months out. I'm doing more saying no than I am saying yes. I'm already starting to limit that scope to make sure what we have is much more rock solid. So I'd love to hear kind of like your take on that. What are you spending time doing? You know, those that many months out. I would say I'm doing a lot of the same tasks that you just mentioned there. I also like to spend a lot of time testing out what we're building, and I find that if if I cannot articulate every nook and cranny of what the product can do at that time, then I'm doing a disservice for the launch and just anybody else in the company. So I, I do a lot of hands-on work with, for example, um, Heroku Postgres, right? I'll get in there, I have a, a number of queries and data sets and everything else that I throw at it, and then on top of that, in interacting with the command line, how that product interacts with it and making sure that every scenario or use case that I can think of I've gone through that on my own. I mean, there are automated test cases that we do have in the organization, but I find that doing it hands-on gives me a level of understanding that I wouldn't get from just looking at a set of use cases. So I'm very much hands-on at that point. Yeah, I think as the the PM, you're not in the day-to-day quite as much as the engineers. So mm-hmm. it's actually a really nice perspective to be kind of that beginner, fresh set of eyes, right? Once you are becoming the expert on the system, you no longer have that perspective. And it's really hard to get back that beginner mindset as much as you can try to force yourself to it. So it's a really good time to be hands-on and continue to do that because once you've kind of gotten sitting in enough engineering meetings, got enough familiar with the system, you lose some of that fresh perspective. Yes, definitely. That three to four months out, I, I'm definitely spending more time with the product, but also recognizing, like you say, that as I'm becoming more astute with the system, I have to pull back and start bringing other people into this. And like, like we had said earlier, maybe this is the time to think about private beta. Maybe it, it may be earlier, maybe six to 12 months prior to launch date. It could be right now. So pulling in those extra people definitely will help with that beginner mindset. Back to that kind of three to four month piece. The other thing I'm really spending time on is already some of the messaging. Like early on, I'm working on my messaging for my launch. A common thing I think with launching a product is README-driven development, right? Like, what's the README? What's this do? Then go build it. At Heroku, uh, actually, kind of introduced something uh, blog post-driven development. To whereas we would write the launch announcement, sometimes at the outset before you know the kickoff of the meeting. Sometimes it was three to four months out to really refine of okay, what are we messaging to customers? What are we building for? What's at the high level? And from there, the details could be filled in. But at three to four months out, I should absolutely have that high-level messaging. And a lot of times on a smaller feature, like that's kind of the time frame that I'm working on that. 
you never have a situation where you've written the blog post and then all of a sudden you have to change scope or direction really quickly and then that almost becomes invalidated? You've never had this, those situations? It, it definitely happens some, but I think you can start broad and then narrow down on it, right? I think as you mentioned, it's also important to think of the initial blog post that's three to four months out as a tool for direction more than this is exactly what we have to build, I'm not going to come back and touch that. Excellent. So three to four months out, we're spending time on the product, we're working on messaging, maybe even doing something like blog post-driven development. Is this time to think about cutting features from product or are we still just you know prototyping at this point? Aren't you always cutting features from product? Never. Yeah, no, uh, actually it was one of the things that an engineer said to me was like, when I showed up at his desk, it wasn't like uh, a bunch of other previous PMs he had, it's that half the time I show up and I mean less work for him. I think that's always important to make sure that we're working on the right things and not just because I can offload it off my plate, but what can we limit down to to make sure we have the, the best product possible. So I think it really depends, right? It depends on what is the key pain point, what do you not need necessarily, and how much can you limit all that down? Yeah, definitely. I, I do find myself cutting a lot of stuff the closer we get to launch, and hopefully not cutting so much that it, it, that the product is not the same vision that we had articulated at the beginning of the project. That being said, though, there's three things that you can really change when it comes to any product or project. You've got time, you've got money, or you've got scope, right? If you can factor any one of those for any product before a launch, really scope is really the only one that you have because time is constrained. Money, you've just got what you've already got right there and it's probably hard to dump more into it with a few months to go. So you find yourself cutting scope quite often. And like you said, I know plenty of engineers myself who are like, oh, less work for me, awesome. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you hit on time. And and this is in the context of we're talking about pretty major launches here, right? Mm-hmm. In those smaller launches that we kind of hinted at earlier on, you've got that flexibility. And that can be really good to kind of build up that muscle of making sure you commit to certain timelines, you're, you're on point with them. If you do slip, you can slip, right? It was just a blog post. Maybe there was one blog outlet that you were talking to, but it's not... 10 media briefings and five analyst briefings and things that have to be lined up a month and a half out so that you've got a little more flexibility there. And I think it's important to actually build a little bit of practice in that timing so that, yes, engineering estimates are always hard, but you can kind of get that within a stone's throw, right? Within the same ballpark. And then you have a little bit of flexibility. So you kind of need to know your rhythm ahead of time before you go through one of these major launch cadences. Speaking of launches and having your messaging out there, which channels do you use? To launch your product, I mean, I, I've seen everything from posts on Hacker News to full-out media briefings with Gartner, etc. Where do you go to launch your product? So I think the core of this comes back to, and I look at actually one of the other uh, heavy bit podcasts for this, the one on PR. Essentially, covers a lot of these great topics of like, what are the outlets? And the first thing is you've got to know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are you targeting a developer audience? If so, there's a number of places there. Like Hacker News absolutely matters. Reddit matters. Twitter matters, like a lot of these channels. But there's also others that do matter, right? TechCrunch is still a good outlet. Uh, Pando Daily, depending on the audience. So it really depends on what is your audience. Like if you're talking about data, there's suddenly a different set of audience. If you're talking about marketing products, a different audience. So you need to know your audience. I think if you look at your audience and say, what are they reading? You know, you should be reading those same things, and that's where you should be aiming to get to. I think this is especially critical for product managers that may not have the support of a full-on marketing team or that are that have or a PR team that they're working with or even a PR agency because I know that startups that I've been at I've had to do all that work myself and 
making sure I understand who that audience is, where to go to it. And sometimes there's very industry-specific places that you need to do these things. For example, I worked in a startup that was in the automotive industry, and developer-related outlets were not going to be the place to get traction for the product. We had to go to the very specific automotive like automotive news and those types of places to actually reach the core audience. So just tagging on to that, it's important to know your audience. Yeah, and we, we hit on this a little bit earlier, like data is a, a key thing to measure, right? Mm-hmm. And the success of a launch isn't being in 10 media outlets, it's not having all this coverage, it's that you know you find users at the end of the day. So you should be tracking this, your, your launch process and kind of where you land, but also how does that convert for you? Just like you do product engagement stats, you need to be tracking that in the exact same way that, so that you can say, this worked and we need to do it again, or this didn't and we need to try other things. The key to the launch isn't just for media coverage, it's really about driving adoption of your product. For sure. One of the topics that I tend to see neglected when it comes to any developer-related products when it comes to launches is documentation. I don't know if we've touched on that just yet, but I wrote a blog post about this myself, and I think documentation is one of these places for, especially for developer products, where a developer may be working at the command line or whatever else, documentation is actually a great place to showcase your brand. And what I see more often than not is that documentation actually isn't there when it comes to product launches. What's your perspective on documentation? Yeah, so I was really fortunate that Heroku, you know, it was really ingrained and we expected that to be a key part of it, right? A lot of places do kind of sidestep that because marketing doesn't think about docs. Just because they're not the active users, right? So I think as the PM, like the buck stops with you, especially there, that you run through in the eyes of a user of like, as a developer tool company, you should definitely have docs that good developer experience down. You should be running through that on a weekly basis leading up to it and making sure everything is solid. Let's shift gears a little bit here. And we've talked, we've kind of bounced all over the place in terms of this launch, but when it comes to actually tracking this for the broader team, whether it be your engineering team or just the broader organization, do you have any tips or tools that you use to track this whole launch process from start to finish? Yeah, so that's an interesting one, and I think it really depends. You know, for myself, I'll commonly, if it's a smaller team, drop it into a Google Doc and basically kind of manage things from a, a just timeline perspective. As the PM, to me, it, it's my product, it's my launch, so I, it falls on me to make sure all the right pieces are coordinated in the right teams. And that doesn't mean them pulling into my tool; it means me kind of reaching out to them, right? Similarly. On that note, it's that I follow up in a, a similar fashion that after the launch, they may not be in my tools, they may not be in my dashboard. So it's up to me to compute those summaries to give the report of how this went. You'll find actually PR companies are really good at giving this report of like, these are the media hits we had, these were the outlets, these are the memorable quotes. They do a great version of this, but from a very PR-centric standpoint, it's up to you to do that from the product standpoint. Of Here's kind of the numbers, here's how we moved the needle, or here's how we didn't. Um, how about yourself? What are your favorite tools? Is it uh, a Trello board? Is it is there one tool that works perfectly for coordinating all this? There's uh, there's never one tool that works great for any of this stuff, and I think you have to be somewhat flexible when it comes to this because I, I think what I'm going to get at here is that you have to over communicate with every group that you are working with, even if you sit with engineering day in day out and you are working with them hand in hand. It's still very important to. At least every single day, I tell them like status on where you are with this launch process because they are very much a part of this as you are. Because, and that applies to engineering, that applies to marketing, that applies to well, sales when it comes their time to tell them that you know you're doing this launch. But 
the important thing here is that over communicating will make sure that everyone's on the same page. And when someone tells you to stop telling them updates about the launch, then you know you're doing your job. So, like you said, for smaller things, it's really just like a Google Doc or maybe even just like a checklist and Wonderlist. That's a favorite one that I've had in the past. But for bigger things where I need other departments, usually I'll go to Trello and then they'll be sub checkboxes or checklists in there. And then sometimes beyond that, there'll be full out project plans. And I've seen that at the very large organizations where you've got to coordinate between maybe 10 to 20 different departments and there are maybe 100 plus people touching this thing. So those cases especially, being very much ahead of it is very important. Yeah, I completely agreed there. And I think that was one of the mistakes I made once was I inherited a new team and said, oh, we've got a tier two launch, right? And I assumed they knew what that meant and, you know, Things were rolling along. We were doing things um, in the week and a half up to it. I was doing, you know, media briefings, et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end of it, they were like shocked of like, I didn't realize this was this big. I felt like we missed this, we missed this, we missed this from a product perspective. And the week before, I'd said, you know, do you feel good? Are things in place? Are you okay with this? And at the end, they felt like it would have been a very different experience if they had known that leading up, which surprised me because I had said, oh, we're having this tier launch. I'll be busy at this point leading up to it. But that terminology didn't translate. So it was a team I hadn't worked with before. So that that issue of over-communicating just wasn't in my head because I learned to work with a different team and a different style. So you need to make sure you absolutely over-communicate. And when they say, yeah, I know, quit telling me, let me get back to doing my job, you're at the right spot. <laughs> Definitely. I think you touched upon something in there that I want to highlight again is that these launches are meant for not only bringing in new business or getting in new revenue or building out new product lines. It's about the the teams that you're working with and giving them something to be excited about because that that is what you guys are. You are a team and you are doing something together and bringing it to market and that is very important. So this is very much about bringing in team cohesion and making sure everyone's on board with this and excited about what you're doing because otherwise if you're not excited about it then I don't know, like go do something else that's not exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, completely agreed. I think it's a kind of a great point to end on and like you look at all what the point of these launches is and it's really to to highlight all the hard work, right? And some of my favorite ones, the engineers are spending all day reading TechCrunch, which otherwise they they don't want to open up at all or every comment on Hacker News and that kind of thing. And when you've got the entire engineering group and entire company following every little thing that's said, whether it's Twitter, Hacker News, Reddit, reporters, that's when you kind of know you've done the right thing. Hopefully customers come with that as well, but it's also that internal support and excitement that you get that really makes a uh, successful launch. Definitely. And don't forget, it's okay to pump yourselves up as a company that you guys have built this thing and launched it. It's okay to do so. So uh, thanks for listening to us today. Chat a little bit about really a little all over the place on launches from you know the macro coordination to uh, war rooms, which I think we agreed upon that uh, you know are essential Next time we'll have a guest from Docker joining us talk a little bit about developers and the enterprise, two things that don't always go perfectly together and how do you kind of go after those two things together. It'll be an interesting topic. I can't wait. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you have a PM topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalprod. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 